We have two scripture passages on which this morning's sermon is based, and the first comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And it says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then a second passage from Romans chapter 7, verses 45 through, excuse me, verses 14 through 25. The words of the Apostle Paul. And he says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. May God bless our understanding, the reading of this, His holy word. Amen. Well, this series on core Christianity is about what is at the very center of our faith. Physical therapists and trainers are telling us that the core of our bodies is what holds everything together. And the stronger the core is, the healthier and the stronger that we will be physically. And there are certain essential and core convictions of Christian belief that hold our faith together. And this sermon series is meant to strengthen our understanding of these convictions so that our faith can be stronger, so that it can be more robust. Now, we not only want to know what the essential and foundational beliefs of Christianity are, but we want to know why they matter. What difference do they make? And we began with the Bible, which is the inspired Word of God, the words breathed out from the mouth of God. Last Sunday, David Pascoe helped us understand God, with whom there's always more to know. And some basic beliefs we have about this God that we worship and the God whom we are in relationship with. 
especially distinctive to Christian thought about God is that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is one God in three persons. Now, when we say, well, we hold to and we believe in these things, doesn't necessarily mean we have it all figured out or that we have it all mastered. Um, We may need to do some growing in some of these things. There are still things about the Bible, certainly about God, other vital beliefs of Christian faith that we still may be discovering. Uh, Christian belief is something we begin in, but then we continue in, and, and we try to to continue, continually grow. But, you know, everything doesn't come at once. Uh, we may have some questions. We may have some struggles. We may have some things we wonder about along the way, some pieces that still need to come together. But I'm really confident that as we're exploring and searching these things, we will get a deeper understanding and greater growth can come. And that is uh, what I hope these sermons will do for all of us. Now, today, I want to turn to the core conviction that we human beings are created in the image and of the likeness of God. Uh, And that we are people, though, who have turned away from God and become much less than what He created us to be because of our sin, but that we can reconnect with God, and when we do that, that image becomes renewed in us. You know, some of the big questions people think about is, who are we? And why are we the way we are? And uh, where did we come from? So who are we? Well, in Genesis, uh, we read, God made humankind in His image and in His likeness. He made us both male and female in His image. In fact, that we are created in God's image is stressed in just a Three different times it is stressed, it's hit upon in just two small sentences. That is who you are. You are created in the image of God. Every human being on the planet created in the image of God. Not just those who believe in God, not just those who are Christians. Every person is made in God's image. Now, being in God's image doesn't mean that we become God ourselves or that we will become like God, but it does mean that human beings reflect God. We possess something of what He is. Um, We are the apex of God's creation. We are not an accident. And human beings reflect God in that uh, we can reason. We understand morality in a very... uh, deep way. We have sophisticated language and communication patterns. We uh, have the ability and desire to have complex relationships. Humans have great creativity. We have self-consciousness. We are unlike any other part of creation in that way. I was struck by something David Pascoe said last week when he brought up the fact that, you know, our cats and our dogs don't think about their death. But we do. We do. We're those kind of creatures. We, we have a consciousness and a rationality uh, that sets us apart from every other creative being. And after God created male and female, it says that He blessed them. We have a blessing on us. And that He gave humans authority over the rest of the created order. As God's agent, we have agents, we have power, we have responsibility over this planet. 
When God created something in his image, he didn't create an image a sta- or a statue or an inanimate object. He created us. And that is why we are of deep value and deep worth. Every person created in the image of God, of deep value, of deep worth. Yet something has gone wrong. Are you with me? The very ones who are created in the image of God and are to reflect Him can also be full of pride and greed and envy and lust and selfishness and hatred and anger and be very violent. And when we continue reading in Genesis, we find that the first male and female overstep their limits and they break faith with God. A relationship is broken. Sin enters the word. The big theological term we use for this is the fall. We are fallen. And because of the fall, people have become defensive, defiant, sick, divided, conflicted, alienated, and dead. Men and women continue to be in the image of God, but the image is now defaced. It's corrupted. Sin pulls us away from what we ought to be and what we were originally meant to be. Now, it seems to me, you can check me on this too, but it seems to me that human sinfulness is the one thing that can really be empirically verified and that those who argue against Humans being sinful are on the unscientific side of this issue. Um, on the one hand, we're all created in the image of God and uh, capable of tremendous good, tremendous beauty, tremendous love, all of us. But then on the other hand, there's this dark part of us that it just runs deep and it makes us also capable of incredible pain, incredible hurt, incredible cruelty. We've got problems. Last week, we were sitting around our dinner table uh, having family uh, dinner, and we were discussing the quirks of uh, someone in our family. I don't even remember who it was. We were discussing this family member's quirks, and, and so um, I, uh, I opened the door foolishly, led with my chin, and I just threw out there, well, what are some of my quirks? To which my uh, soon-to-be 17-year-old Uh, junior in high school daughter said, Dad, uh, you don't have quirks. You have problems. (laughs) I asked for it. David in his prayer, King David in his prayer of confession before God for his adultery and for his murder. He says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Paul said that all people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. If that is true, we are in a bondage and under a power that is beyond us to break in our own power. We certainly, have, as a race, have not been able to calm the violence and the suffering and the pain of this world. Romans 7 Paul writes about his own struggle with sin, admitting he can't do what he wants to do even when he knows that is what he should do. And he says he sees this, this, what he calls, he says it's a war raging in him. It's like a civil war deep in his heart and in his life between on the one hand what he calls the law of God, the other hand the law of sin. He's not just misguided. He's not just misinformed. 
He says, I'm a wretched man. And he says, something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. And Paul says, it is sin living in me. And he doesn't blame someone or something else out there. He says, the issue is inside of him. He can feel it. He knows it. He lives with it. You know, maybe one of the dangers of our times is that we tend to rationalize or deny evil within us. Uh, It's easy to take to the streets. It's easy to go down to the courthouse and demonstrate about them and what they're doing uh, and all the wrong with them. But man, we sure don't like to go home, look in the mirror and see if there's anything inside of us that might be evil or wrong. The problem is always the other person. Kathleen Norris points out that for all our supposed psychological insights today into human beings, we remain quite primitive in our ability to understand the reality of sin. It's as if we believe that if we just don't talk about it, it'll go away or we'll just be nicer to one another. And then she says, as a Christian, I beg to differ. Our bad thoughts are real and they lead to bad acts. Check any newspaper. Or we think maybe if we could just do enough studies and research, we'll find out why we can be so dark and so violent as people. Surely it can't be us. Surely something else must be responsible. Maybe it's, it's, it's something in our genetics, or it's social, or it's something economic. Maybe it's the water. Or it's something about us, or something about anything but us. And then the longer we deny the problem, the worse things just seem to get. So there's this tension On the one hand, we're created in the image of God. We can't be any higher. And on the other hand, we're fallen, sinful, able to think, able to feel, able to do evil. And you know what? That belief is at the very core of Christian faith. Now, why does any of this matter? Well, first of all, because all people are made in the image of God. All people have incredible value and are to be treated with incredible dignity. We are not an accident. We are not merely the result of evolutionary adaptation up from the slime. And this is why it matters how we treat people. All people. All people. This is why it matters how we treat the young and those who might be elderly. Why we treat how we treat the Christian as well as the atheist, how we treat the person on the right as well as the person on the left. This is why it matters how we treat those who are gay and those who are straight and those who aren't sure and those who are wealthy and those who are destitute and those who have accomplished great things and will accomplish great things and those who, you know, really won't accomplish anything or very little. And this is why it matters how we treat the mentally ill and the mentally healthy, those who are in the womb and those who carry those wombs, those people who are littered with tattoos and body piercings and those people who couldn't be more proper and buttoned up. This is why it matters how we treat those who we like and those we don't like, those who are in care centers and Alzheimer's units, the homeless, the hungry, the refugee, the immigrant. 
People are God's high point of creation and created in nothing less than his image. And we believe and we insist that every person deserves love and respect, that everyone matters, that every person has value. What if we were to begin to to see all the people we meet and we say to ourselves, I am dealing with one who is in the image of God right now. And I wonder if this isn't why Christians have always been at the forefront in creating hospitals and orphanages and soup kitchens and schools. I wonder. This is the second reason it matters to understand that we're created in the image of God, but that we're also sinful. Because it allows us to understand ourselves. You know, I can begin to understand, like Paul in Romans 7, why I can do things that I should not and that I don't even want to do. I can understand why I feel frustration and depression and hurt. Uh, things are not the way they're supposed to be, is what I'm told. And so I then can understand certain things. I'm not the way I'm supposed to be. Like my daughter said, I've got problems. Yes, I'm in God's image. But I have also inherited this sinful nature that infects all humanity. But there is a certain freedom that comes in understanding that there's a part of me that resists God's will and His best for me. Sin is not an excuse. It's a diagnosis. And when we get a diagnosis, then we can finally find some treatment. Find, how can I deal with this? How can I address this? Maybe you've had a physical ailment. You've gone through this pain or suffering at some point and, and it's just killing you. And, and you go for weeks and maybe months, maybe longer with it and you see doctor after doctor and you go through test after test and you just, nobody knows what's wrong with you. Finally, you get to someone and they run some tests and they make a diagnosis and they say, this is what your problem is. This is what's plaguing you. Once you get that diagnosis, then you can come up with a cure or a treatment for how to handle this. On the one hand, I'm good at condemning myself when I do something that I know is wrong. But on the other hand, I remind myself, you know, my sinful nature is still alive. And so I say, well, Phil, don't be shocked that you are like that. You're a sinner in need of God's grace. Deal with it, baby. Except I probably don't say deal with it, baby, but you get the idea. This is the third reason it matters. Knowing that we are in God's image, but that the image has been defaced, allows us to understand our need. And our greatest need is redemption. Yes, we were created in the image of God. Yes, we are fallen through our own rebellion, our own sinful nature. But the God in whose image we are created has come to rescue us. Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, it says, was God taking on and entering our existence, showing us the nature and the heart of God. God was not okay with His image being maimed. And He came Himself to reclaim us. A couple weeks ago, I came across something written by a pastor uh, in Boston shortly after the bombings there. It's an article entitled, Boston Bombs and the Image of God. And the pastor writes about this incongruity, what he calls this dissonance between us being in the image of God, yet we're fallen. And he says, 
the dissonance should make us look up, not within. While it is true that the image of God resides within us, so does the darkness. So where ultimately does our hope reside? Our eyes should lift off ourselves to the one who more truly revealed the nature of God to us because he was and is God. And when he came, he came with grace and with truth, with kindness and undeserved mercy. And he experienced the dark violence of humanity when Christ, the very image of God, was destroyed on that cross. But by taking all that evil could inflict on him, all that this world could put on him, and by swallowing up death in his resurrection, Christ shows how the darkness, the selfishness, the terror, the sin, the depravity can be and will be once and finally overcome. Jesus Christ, that pastor said, is the only one who can cause the image of God within us to overcome the brokenness that defines us. Only when the image of God within us connects to the Son of God sent for us will we experience change. Hear that again. Only when the image of God within us connects to the Son of God sent for us Will we experience change? And man, do I need to change. And that's the connection I need to always make every day. You know, there are a million problems in our world. And we need to take action in different ways on all those many issues that plague us. But the biggest problem of all is the spiritual problem in our hearts. Because that is where it all starts. There is no pain being inflicted by someone or on another. There is no sin in which we participate that doesn't start in the heart. Jesus said, you don't have to actually have an affair to commit adultery. He said, even if we look at someone lustfully in our heart, we're guilty. Jesus said, you don't have to pick up a gun and actually shoot someone to commit murder. He said, if you harbor anger in that heart of yours towards someone else, that's murder. Jesus said, it is from the heart that evil intentions and murder and adultery and fornication and theft and false witness and slander to others come. And every one of us is capable. Every one of us is capable of, and we do evil. Sometimes we don't even know why. Jeremiah was not a psychologist. He wasn't a therapist. He was a prophet. But he said this, that the heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? And it's the human heart that needs healing. And it can receive healing from its creator. And for all who know the need of our own hearts, and we ask God to come and to help, that connection is made, and God comes, and he gives us a new heart. The Bible says we become renewed. We become clothed with a new self created according to the likeness of God as we were meant to be. It is a slow, day-by-day, but powerful process of being changed back into what our Creator always intended us to be, what He wants us to be. Our lives gradually becoming brighter, more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. Be patient with it. 
Be patient with it because this transformation that is taking place in you and me will not be complete until the day when we are finally joined with God. The God whose likeness we bear. The God who is remaking and restoring all those who seek Him and all those who turn their lives over to Him. So let's share in communion together and remember that God in our relationship with Him